We confirm ignition and the thrust is go. Welcome to Moonfire, the podcast where we explore the creative process in different fields. My name is Carlos and you can find me at mynameiscarlos.com. Today's guest is Hannah Green. Hannah is a custom designer and fabric buyer. Her credits in the film and TV industry include Captain America Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, Captain Marvel, Avengers, as well as Space Jam, Goosebumps, and DC Comics' latest hit, The Peacemaker. She spoke to us from her home in LA. Hannah, thank you for being here. Hey, Carlos. Glad to be here. What do you do? So I work in costumes for film. I do, um, I'm either an assistant costume designer or for TV and movie projects, or I work in kind of the made to order building costumes and uh, fabric sourcing and getting costumes made. Yeah, it's like a little bit of everything. It's not, ex- I don't always do the exact same job for, for every project that I work on which is fun for me. Do you remember being creative from an early age? I was always imaginative, as in I'd always would have a wild imagination, always trying to think up crazy things. But I was never, and I um, I sewed when I was little, because mostly because my parents didn't want to buy me doll clothes, so they made me learn how to sew. Um, and I always enjoyed putting outfits together, but I never, I guess I never really thought of myself myself as being super creative, mostly because I come from a military family and we always lived way out in the middle of nowhere and it's kind of very strict and very, uh, <laughs> very military. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say I felt that what felt super creative until I got to college. And then that was when I was able to start exploring my more creative sides and realize, oh, I do love all this. I can do it. Did you go to college for custom design? I did not. So I went to a small liberal arts school in Georgia called Barry College. And there I went, I what, had no idea what I really wanted to do. I know I liked, um, I worked on my high school uh, yearbook and I liked graphic design and layouts. So I went to school for visual communications, which is like a little bit of graphic design, photography and kind of media layouts and things like that. And the, I chose the college mostly because it um, they had a really good communications department and it was a nice small school. I enjoyed that. I kind of wanted a liberal arts experience in college. So I joined there. And then um, while I was there, the college itself was actually really awesome. It ended up having, you had to have a work study. So you had to choose places on campus to work to help pay off your, um, like to pay for school. It helps us subsidize all the tuition and fees. And I got a job in the costume department working there because I knew how to sew. So that's kind of how I first got exposed really to costume design. And it was really fun. I got to work, I got to like build costumes and work and uh, do aging and dyeing there. And I started to learn about all, that whole world. And then I started taking the costume design classes there for fun. Still not really thinking that that was what I wanted to do. But the more I started doing it, I just, I, the more I just, I realized that I was spending all of my time doing that <laughs> rather than other things. Interesting how you got into it. 
Yeah, so I kind of, it really kind of, I kind of fell into it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I was, I did theater in high school, but it was mostly like the small acting or it was like doing lighting or something. I never really thought about costumes, mostly because the shows that we were doing in high school weren't really costume heavy. We were just wearing our own clothes. So it just never really occurred to me that that was something to try out doing. So considering the work that you do now, do you find that what you did in those early days inform what you do today? Or do you look back on those days and think, what was I doing? <laughs> a little bit of everything, but it helped build the fundamentals because I knew how to sew, but I didn't, but I kind of was just doing things for myself, but not really in the, the correct way for somebody else. Things that you do for yourself is very different from what you're doing to make it last in a show and all of that. And you're not really thinking about it, you're just kind of doing it as you go. Whereas school taught me to like, well, who is the character? What's the show? What are the boundaries that you need to, to create it in? And uh, being a military kid, you growing up, rules, I like rules. <laughs> I hate rules, but I really like that when I'm design. I, I enjoy that part of design to where you have it has to do this and it needs to perform for a certain amount of time and it needs to be these colors or however. It gives you boundaries and then you have to be creative within the boundaries of the design, which that where that works really well for me, having kind of just a list of like, well, this is what it has to work under and now create something. So that works really well. I definitely took that along with me and just kind of, I think just also bolstering my confidence with it because I never even thought that that was something that I could do. Um, and it was, and it was the moment of like, Oh, you can do this. You are, you are creative in that way. Or you can be that you just have to do it. And at that moment, did you think I want to do this the rest of my life or were you seeing it as a, something you can do on the side? I think it was more like a side thing because I mean, also growing up, it was very much instilled of the fact that like, we weren't, we did, we were not a wealthy family whatsoever. My parents are very much of like, that's great, but how's that going to pay for anything? Like you need to learn, you need to have a living. And both, and actually both of my sisters were theater majors in college. I have two older sisters and one of, and neither of them could, they, they, they started doing theater and <laughs> didn't make any money, had to quit it and all this. So that was where my parents were coming from with a lot of that. Of like, you see what your sisters are doing right now. Like, like, why are you doing theater? And ultimately, like, I did go to school. I wanted to work in magazines. That was kind of the goal. And, um, and so I started doing theater as fun. But I was like, I'm not going to major in it. I'm just going to do it on the side. It should be something fun. And especially when it comes to theater, unless you're doing Broadway, you really, as a costume person, are not making very much money. I mean, most people I know, even now, who do theater on the side or do theater full time, I mean, in reality, they have, they come from a family that they have that support or they have a somebody in their life that can help them out with that or just or have an independent cushion to, to then encourage them to do it. So what about now? What do your parents say about your work? Oh, now, yeah, now we're excited about it, for sure. It was, well, and then also I think that was a big factor. I mean, I've always loved film and movies and 
especially ones that had beautiful costumes and set and just kind of had this whole beautiful created world that was that was had fantasy into intertwined into it but again coming from like a military family living in the middle of nowhere places in in the US and all of that it was kind of i never thought i could do film because i didn't know how you would even get into doing it and the same thing with um, when i was an undergrad i was like well this is nice but um, i i don't think i could make a living off of this as in theater and so, and there was no mention of doing that for film. So it never really crossed my mind and it didn't really um, transcend into that until basically after I left, after I left, um, I graduated and then I moved to New York and then I started working with, for free on theater things on the side because I still love doing costumes. So I was like helping out diff- like small costume designers on like small independent little theater projects. And then a friend of mine, um, Ben Phillip was working on a TV, like started working on a TV show in the costume design department. And I was like, Oh, what? Oh, how do you do that? And he was the one who really introduced me into doing it for TV and film. Which TV show was it? Well, he was actually doing it for ugly Betty. It was the last, the final season. Um, basically it was shot the first couple seasons were all filmed actually in LA and then the final season they brought it back to New York and then he was there working on it. And he actually got me my first one, well, not real job, but I basically interned with them. Got, did it for free. Um, but then realized like, Oh my God, you can do this. And it's really fun, you know? And I love, and especially that was a show that it's like really heavily based on like creating us a, a a a fantasy world you know it is modern day clothing but at the same time it's kind of cuckoo bananas and doing and really going out there and really pushing the boundaries and i loved it and so to be able to work on that show for even for a short amount of time just to kind of see how that world is i'm like oh yeah oh i need to do this and then for that one i mean my first bit was driving around with a costumer who was in a union and actually had a paid job and they would go around shopping all day. We'd be in an, in a van um, that was rented by the uh, by the production company. So we'd drive around all day. The costumer would jump out and go do shopping, and then um, I would be with the driver. We we'd drive around the block a couple of times until they were done, and then we get the phone call. And then the costumer would then move on to another place, and then we and then me and the driver would then I would then hop out and go grab their shopping and put it into the car. And then we go to the next place. <laughs> I like the driving around part because here in New York, it's impossible to find a parking space. Yeah, there was no parking. No, we literally would just drive around the block a couple of times until they were until the things were ready to be picked up. So that was my whole experience was essentially picking things up that um, costume people that costumers had and assistant designers had had picked either at showrooms or at um, designer showrooms or at um, at stores or even down in the fashion um, in the fabric district where, you know, we're, we're buying yardage of things or uh, trims and things like that. And so being exposed to kind of that crazy world was really fun. And then also being like in the costume department, you've got the racks of clothing. You get to kind of see all the photos of, from the fittings of with what gets selected and how it gets selected. And then you get, kind of just get to see how it all comes together, which is really eye-opening and just what a fun show. 
that was a great one to, to start off on. I think that helped encourage me to really like focus and this is what I want to do. And how long did you do that job for? Well, so I really only was on that one for three months because I couldn't afford to not get paid. <laughs> Let's be real. Another big factor in like focusing on what I actually want to do was I essentially, I moved up to New York kind of doing a little bit of side jobs and some different things. I moved up to New York to actually, I worked in magazines for a little bit. I did, I, um, I interned with Modern Bride Magazine and also with W Magazine in the fashion departments. So being, so I did, I did complete at least part of my goal of working in magazines for a tiny amount. And then, um, and then my, my first job in New York was working as a, um, as a temporary fashion assistant, a freelance. So basically you get some flat fee and you get to help out on some photo shoots um, during the day or when they need more, when they need more hands on deck, but didn't pay anything. And then I got a job working as um, an interior design assistant that actually paid my bills. And so I actually then moved into that to just because I wanted to be in New York and I loved the energy and I just loved being exposed to everything that you get to do that, especially when you're young in New York. And so, however, I was enjoying that. I was in New York like two and a half years. And then, then the 2008 economic crash happened and uh, everybody creative started losing their jobs. And I was like, oh man, oh, I'm going to lose my job. This is all going to shut down. I think that helped me because I was kind of skating along with like, I'll do this and I'll do that. I'm having fun. It doesn't matter. And then it was the, oh crap, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Like, and also if I'm going to, to do a job, I want to do like, what do you really want to do? And so that's when I thought of, that's when I ta was talking with my friend, Ben, who was like, well, how about you come on the show? And granted it was for free, but, um, I knew I was going to lose my job. And so I actually started applying to grad schools for costume design. And so it was kind of a little bit, it was kind of, yeah, it's basically the, yeah, the economic crash kind of pushed me in to make a decision. I, I was like, I'm going to go to grad school. And then uh, my friend Ben was like, well, how about before you go to grad school, maybe just try, you want to try out working in a film and TV to see if you actually like this before you go to school. I'm like, that sounds great. <laughs> that really helped me go, okay, this is what I want to do. So I better, and you know, I kind of, I, I now know that this is what I really want to do. So I, so I want to go to school to figure out, or at least because I basically, I took like three, I mean, a cut, like our department in undergrad would have like three costume design classes. It wasn't very much. So I like, I don't really know what I'm doing. So I want to know what I'm doing. So I, then I ended up um, applying I, um, to grad school. I got into UCLA, um, the costume design program. And then that program is very focused on TV and film costume design. It's like the only one in the country that actually really focuses on that. And then, yeah. And then they, it kind of, and then it progressed from there. I remember when we met many years ago, um, we talked about film and influences in your work. And you mentioned Tim Barton. Oh yes, I mean the um, Colleen Atwood did all of his designs. Um, was his costume designer for a long time, and you know she did Edward Scissorhands, Sleepy Hollow. Um, yeah, she uh, and she did the um, his Batman. She did all those, and so I mean she was a really big uh, costume design influence. 
and made me really want to do this. And, and it was very exciting. And then, yeah, so I got to go to um, UCLA, which was a really great program because also I got to meet these designers. I got to meet Colleen in a class and talk with her and ask her things. And then like, um, yeah, and then like Juliana Makovsky, um, she designed the first Harry Potter, like Pleasantville. And that was my first job outside of UCLA was with her as her PA on um, Captain America, which one? Captain America Winter Soldier. So I got to work. I met her through UCLA and then I got to work with her. And so, uh, yeah, that kind of helped push me into the film industry. It was really great because, you know, being already in Los Angeles and kind of poised and ready to jump into that world and then meeting these designers while you're in school is really great. Like, and, and then I worked with her as, um, on for years, I actually stayed with her for a long time. I was, I worked with her on, uh, Captain America, winter soldier. We did Captain America, uh, civil war. Um, we did the movie goosebumps. So which was a fun, nostalgic, a fun, nostalgic throwback, you know, <laughs> the books. And that one, that came really in handy because, I had already read, no one on the design team actually read any of the books. I'm like, I read the books when I was a kid and I know all these monsters step aside. <laughs> and so, yeah. And then we, I just stayed on the Marvel train for a long time because then we did what civil war and then we did guardians of the galaxy two. And you worked on captain Marvel as well, right? Yes. And then that was with a different designer, but I kind of stayed along with it. So yeah, the Avengers, the last two Avengers movies and then captain America, um, Actually, or not Captain Marvel. There we go. Yeah, Captain Marvel is actually my first job moving on from working with Judiana because when I was working with Judiana, I mean, essentially, I was kind of like, there's these, it was like, I was like one of the beginners. So I was like, I was a costume coordinator, which is kind of like your bottom rate um, or like the low, a low level. You get started as a PA and then you're a costume coordinator and then you move on to being a costumer. But like as a costume coordinator, you kind of don't get to do anything really creative. You're more of like you're doing the paperwork and making sure the um, that people turn in their credit card bills on time. <laughs> you know, so it's important work. But you know, it's interesting how there, yeah, in creative industries, there's a lot of jobs that are not creative. And when I was like an interior design assistant in New York, I was, oh yeah, you're working for interior designers. That's cool. But at the same time. Again, I was doing their paperwork and, and tracking shipments. It wasn't really, it wasn't a very creative. And the same thing as a costume coordinator. It was interesting work. I got to work on these awesome, huge movies, but it wasn't very creatively fulfilling. And so my next, my, my first job, like actually doing something creative was on um, Captain Marvel. I was um, the fabric buyer. So I was in charge of making sure like all the superheroes, all of the, anybody who had stunts, we have to make multiples of things, or there was special things that a designer wanted to actually, or we, she didn't want to buy them in stores. She wanted to actually have it made so it could be specifically what she wanted. Those were the things that we were building. So for the superhero suits, um, are those made of specially developed material or from material that you can find at a fabric store? So it, it just depends on what it needs to do and the design. Um, some of them are on 
it they're all made out of different things like the um like captain america's suit is really made out of like a um it's like a we call it cordura it's like basically it's like a tight weave stiff with with no with no stretch so you have that and then you build in panels of um we call it euro jersey and that it was it's basically a fabric that has a lot of really tight stretch and so that one's made out of those tough materials and then some of them are just made out of that euro jersey that i just mentioned which are the very stretchy uh but it looks like it's really tough and it looks like it's armor bits um but actually all of that anything that we do typically it's a flat fabric and then we do uh 3d screen screen printing on top of it so then it looks like it has texture um like the um like say like black widow's costume her jumpsuit is actually it looks like it's made like when you see it it looks like it's made out of a tough material it's really just out of a stretchy fabric that then has a print it has a texture uh like a fabric texture print on top of it so it looks so when you see it, you don't notice that it's a screen printing. You think it's just the um, the weave of the fabric, but it's actually the screen printing on top of it. And then, um, well, then when, um, the fun part was also with uh, Captain Marvel is that, so there's her suit and then there is the Cree, which is all the people in the black and teal. And, and initially the designer wanted to make things out of leather because it had the leather, it was tough, it was, and a lot of, and there's other um, superheroes who do have their things made, of, made out of leather. The only problem is that all of those uniforms, all, all those superhero suits also had to be in water. Like they go through a swamp and then they come out of the ocean and you can't put leather, you can't get leather wet like that. It will just seize, it'll be terrible. So funnily enough, I actually found that material, found the material that we did use it out of it was a it was a vinyl it was a stretch vinyl from an upholstery place glant glant upholstery and it's basically it looks like leather on the top but it's but it's stretchy and it's made out of yeah plastic vinyl so we and we did tests and we could screen print on top of it so those suits that look like leather are actually um just some uh yeah yeah upholstery weight vinyl put together when you purchase this from the stores do you ever feel like you want to tell them hey you know what this is <laughs> going to be used for well technically i can't really say too much because every show that i do we have to sign an nda a non-disclosure agreement and technically i'm not allowed to say what things are after but i'll tell them like but i can tell them like what the movie is so i'm like it's for this movie and then I like I like especially um, doing this job for what for years now. Um, essentially, uh, I know the same. I go to back to the same vendors all the time, the ones I buy fabric from, and they all know me. And so when I go back to them, I'm like, "Oh, hey, the trailer for this movie just came out. Hey, look, here's here it is, and that's your fabric right there." So I, yeah, so I I like to go back to my vendors and just show them like the photos and be like hey look that's what you made <laughs> that's your fabric everybody gets a kick out of it because it's fun it's always fun to be like a part of it and then yeah they never know what it's going to be made into so the superhero suits are they comfortable to wear no <laughs> i mean ultimately like they wear them 
it's form fitting, it's tough, it's not very breathable, they have to do a lot of action. We try to make them as comfortable as possible, but, um, well, and especially the men, it's really, it's harder for them because one, men are not used to wearing form fitting outfits or things that are uncomfortable. Uh, and then also, as the movies progress, Basically, when when actors do their first superhero movie, they get really into it and they get all buff and they keep their buffness up. But then they go into the next movie and they, some time has passed between the time they make the first movie and then the second and third and fourth. And they've gone and done other roles in other films that require them to lose the, the muscles. So they, their enthusiasm for building the muscle every every movie gets less and less. So by the time you get towards like their their third or fourth Marvel movie, they're so tired of it that they don't they just like, they focus on their arms and then basically we make a bunch of latex um bodysuits of abs and you know, thigh, especially men like hard for them to build up a, a good thigh or leg. You know, they all have chicken legs, so you then you have to build up a, you know, so they don't, and they don't like wearing it because that's not comfortable. You're putting latex next to your body in between a layer. So they, yeah, so the men can get a little whiny, but the women are never complain because they're very used to wearing things that don't, that are not comfortable. <laughs> so how many stages does a custom mm -hmm. go through from concept to the finished piece? Uh, it depends. So I think in general, no matter what you're doing, even if it's a modern day, especially, but especially when you're in, I've, I've kind of my like field of expertise or my work is mainly doing shows that you have to make costumes for, um, because that's primarily like I buy, I buy fabrics or I do the made to order or I'm assisting. And then when I'm assisting, I'm basically kind of also running the made to order, like the building part. So jobs that I personally work on are ones that require a lot of costumes to be made. And it can be, even with modern, some modern day things, you, you need to make a lot of things. Like when I was on Space Jam, we still have to make a lot of multiples for things. So action movies, you have to make a lot of the same thing to, um, to move forward. So for that type of genre of, for when you're building a lot of costumes, essentially the process is it's the, the costume designer And if I'm assisting, I help them. I It's all about doing the research first, creating mood boards to then present to the um, the higher ups, the producers and the director and the studio heads. And everybody kind of blesses off on like the general idea of what the costumes would be, kind of like the mood and the color palette and things that you're going for. So you kind of lock that in first. And then... Um, if I... And then, yeah, if I'm doing fabrics and I'm outsourcing... I then the designer tells me what they're like, what the plan is, what we're making, and also what style of fabrics they want. So then I go and I source, I get swatches or sample cards of like pieces of fabric, like actual get the pieces of fabric to bring in and show them so they can then feel them and see the colors and figure out what they want to do. And then it goes into a, um, and that can, that kind of happens simultaneously with Usually they'll have an illustrator do the drawings, make illustrations to show the producers and give blessings on the overall look. So while someone is sourcing fabrics, then the designer and the assistant are putting things together uh, with the illustrator to get to present to the producers 
to end the director and the studio heads to bless off. And it depends on what type of, sh- of producers they have. Some, some of them need to see the same costume, very realistic in a rendering in four different color options or something with like, it has a pocket. It doesn't have a pocket. The pockets uh, on the left shoulder, the pockets on the right, you know? <laughs> um, so sometimes you have to get very specific otherwise, or some, you just give a general sketch. You go, that looks good. So they say, they say, yes, they say no. Everybody has an opinion of what they think that's supposed to look like. Um, a lot of times they'll be like, I don't like, like they'll say, oh, I don't like that one detail or something. Then you have to do another rendering to show them without it before they bless it. Basically, uh, when you come to like TV and film, a lot of them are, a lot of the producers, specific, like I think the directors can see more into the more creative side. Like they're usually, they can kind of see beyond uh, what, like beyond a sketch, they can kind of, they know where you're going with it. Whereas, especially like studio heads, they want to see an exact copy of what they're blessing off before they bless it off. So you like so the renderings have to be very hyper realistic and be very specific as to what things are. So they bless that off. It's all good. Finally, everyone bless gets their tweaks in, and then you're ready to start building. So then you build a costume. So then the costume gets made. The fabrics get selected. Everything gets done. Um, you go into a fitting with the with the actor. And then in that first fitting, you don't have to have complete garments, but you kind of have want to have as best as possible. So then you go through and then the actors have their opinions of what, what they think it is. And so the actors are also consulted about their suits. Oh, yeah. They and as they should, because ultimately, like we're I mean, the designer hasn't has the vision of what they want. They've already talked with the director and they and there is a vision of how they want this character to be but at the end of the day the actor is the one bringing them to life and you're putting and we have a very unique um design field when it comes to to, to our art is that we have to put clothes on a body and every single body is different and i you can design clothes that look good on like say Brad Pitt um but then if you get who is, he's what, he's five foot 11. He's somewhere up there, you know, very slender physique, all the things. But then you get like, say like Robert Downey Jr. Who is what, like five eight. You know, he's a shorter gentleman. And also, you know, he's older. It doesn't, you know, his body is shaped differently, you know, and, and that continues down the line with people to where you then have to then figure out what that what design works for their body and also for their character because you go in there and you're presenting what the directors to- told you about what where this character is going but then actors have then that's when they get to see the clothes and start figuring out who the character is for them and how they're going to portray it on camera so then it's very collaborative and that's the funnest part about working in film is that it's all about collaboration and and it's fun because you can't be too like, well, I have to have this very specific thing. I need it to be, I need it to be green and I really need it to be, uh, you know, this form fitting silk green garment. And they're like, no, I want blue and I want it loose. So then you have to then figure out in a collaboration to come together. You just can't, you can't be like too like convinced that this is the only thing. 
it's about like working together and, and figuring out what looks what works for everybody and then moving forward and some actors don't care some actors are like they'll wear anything and they are, they're just like okay you just tell me where to go and other ones will be extremely difficult and they or they have or as we all do they have hang-ups about their own bodies and they're like oh but i like oh but like i don't like the way my arms look so we need to make sure we cover that or so on have a sleeve that doesn't that you know, a thicker material that doesn't show off the form or yeah or put a pad in there or figure out a different design that or, that like draws attention someplace else or the ones that are very like character driven like well this is they're trying to figure out who their character is and so they're they're thinking out loud and they're talking about it in the in the fittings and for the actors who play superheroes do they ever ask to take one home because they like it so much or a replica um not really I, the one they can't really keep the suits because the suits are like part of like the um, promotional things essentially um like they whenever a big marvel movie comes out they then send all the costumes out around the world in ex and exhibitions to you know, get interest and then also thankfully they keep them around because especially when it comes to marvel movies they have to um um they use them again like say avengers where they time travel spoiler alert um, if no one's seen it it's been a couple years but you never know yeah but essentially they time travel and they and they see each other they see themselves in from different movies and so we have to so for those we had to pull all the costumes from those old movies together and thank goodness we still had them because otherwise we would then have to make them that'd be a nightmare so actually that brings up the question of uh well on the latest spider-man no way home movie uh, with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. They're wearing their suits from their movies. Are they wearing the same suits? I don't know if you if you worked on, on that one. That I wasn't working on. I know that I... But I do know some people who did work on it. And for that one, essentially, those, those costumes are from what the Tobey Maguire is like decades old. And they're all made from like materials that... Like, they're all kind of made from have like the screen printing which is which is a plastic on it to create the webbing and everything and all of that it like just deteriorates so they would definitely i'm they definitely had to build them because one those costumes after us they have a certain lifespan and they just start to like rot essentially <laughs> maybe andrew garfield is not as far in his past but even with him like bodies change they changed so much. So they I I know for a fact they definitely had to recreate those costumes. Well, actually another Spider-Man question. Uh when when he gets the new suit from Tony Stark, uh, which is visibly more technologically advanced, um how do you approach making that aspect more visually apparent? Or or, or do you just leave most of that part to post-production and CGI? those movies are very cgi dependent right you don't really need it to be super believable on our end when it comes to it like the iron man suit is not like whatever you see that's all cgi he, he's not wearing a suit he there is a suit that is made that is for like the glamour shot of for the one shot of him standing as it's fully ready 
not walking or moving. He's just standing in it. Yes, you get one maid to kind of create the uh, the illusion, and then everything else is all Robert Downey in a in a mocap suit with like pieces, maybe like the helmet open with the green with green screen dots on his face, you know. So, or the stuntman is the same thing. Like they might have a piece or two for reference, but they're ma- they're in mocap suits the entire time. They're not wearing that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I want to talk about the Peacemaker now, which you worked on. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine asked me to ask you, how do his pants stay white? You know, and at first I thought that's funny. But then I actually thought like <laughs> when you saw like what you needed to make or what his custom was going to be like and you saw white pants. Mm-hmm. Did you think this is going to be a nightmare or like, did you have to make like five pairs of pants? It was a nightmare. We made 25. Oh, okay. We made 25 for the whole thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I was an assistant designer on that part, but I was still kind of doing the same thing that I do when I'm, when I'm a made to order person. It, I was kind of facilitating overseeing the design. And for that one, I mean, we didn't have to build it from scratch. It, it was essentially we started the movie um, and Suicide Squad had wrapped um, pre-pandemic. This was my first movie back post-pandemic, and um, so I mean we we just needed to recreate the costume from the old movie, and we got the so we got the old costume and they were they made five, I think five of them for Suicide Squad because he wasn't in it as much he wasn't like the feature whereas this or as Peacemaker he is the star. And he wears it literally all the time because he loves his suit. He wears it all the time. Um, yeah, so we um, so we got books because every time when we when we, especially when you do a movie like this, we have we call it a made to order book where we reference every single thing that we if we've made it, where the fabrics from, what was done to it, what was dyed, who dyed it, and what did they dye it to, and what what print was on it so we go through that list and we just had to recreate it um that suit the other ones we had to make from scratch but that one was the one we had to just recreate but no we 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 when we read the scripts the costume designer i designer and i we sat down we read the scripts we got to watch actually i got to watch a first um edit of the of the um suicide squad before it came out before the ad, like, and they had just started adding in the special effects, but they weren't really there. So we got to see a version of a Suicide Squad with the shark guy was just a blob, and then and then all the action was kind of just like little blobs here and there. They hadn't quite fil- like fleshed it out. And but it's funny because you get to see everybody acting like it's happening. And you're like, I don't see anything happening. So yeah, so with that one, we got to like we got to see the um, that that first edit. We then read all the scripts. Um, James then also created a Spotify a secret Spotify playlist for us, so that way while we're reading it, we can play the music because he thinks very musically, and he had every scene planned out with what music goes with every single scene which is really cool. So then, and so you can really hear it in your head while you're reading the script. You're like, oh, this is amazing. I love this. James Gunn had managed to write all of them, all eight of them up beforehand, before we started filming. Everything was written before we started filming. And then we're like, oh, he's in this all the time and all this action. 
So we ended up having like 20 of them made and everything had either we had a designated set of clean ones, ones with no aging whatsoever, and then a set and then different sets with different levels of aging as we went along. That's intense. And especially with white pants. <laughs> Every single stage was very, it was, very, it was a complicated, it was basically like a, a, like a puzzle or like a playing Tetris of like, okay, or how does this go? This goes here. And then that one fits into the script here. And he's at level seven dirt on this one. And he's on level two in that next scene and figuring out how to get it on camera. Were you on set at any point during the filming? No. Because I have a few. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, if you're there, you'll see him running around and you'll be like, oh my God, he's okay, getting well, dirty. We got into prep in September 2020. And then they started filming January 1st, 2021. But that was, they were filming in Canada. And essentially... Um, the Canadian border was so locked down that anybody who went there could not travel back and forth. Every crew member or every actor, if they went to Canada, they had to not only could they not go back and forth, they had to agree to stay in Canada for, I think it was like for four months minimum. Um, so, and yeah, they had a very extreme, they had to go, everybody who entered Canada had to do a, a, a mandatory 14 day lockdown with no, with absolute, absolutely no contact with anybody else for that time for everyone's protection. And so I stayed in LA and I oversaw the production of the superhero costumes. And then also the actors, um, several of the actors who were coming from Los Angeles, um, because we were going to lose two weeks of time with them as they flew up to Canada and then had to be in quarantine. And then the designer couldn't, normally she would be the one, or, well, this was Shay Cunliffe was the designer for this one. And she would be the one who would then usually, in any normal scenario, would fly down from Canada, and then her and I would do fittings together. But because she couldn't fly down, I was in charge of, like, pulling costumes in, like, in L.A., getting things ready, and then getting fittings with actors before they left to Canada, to go to Canada. And so that way, at least we had a buffer of time because essentially um, because they would, because that was such a commitment with the quarantining. Um, basically by the time I did a fitting with them, they went up, had two weeks of quarantine and they basically went immediately onto set and worked. So just to have time to pull costumes. And if things didn't work in our fittings here in LA, they, they could see what did and didn't work. And then we can figure out that they're real sizes because Let's be real. Everybody gains weight during quarantine. Uh, <laughs> and also people lie about their, or they think they're, they're, they don't lie, but they think that they're different sizes than they actually are. But uh, but 2020 definitely changed everybody's measurements. Nobody knows what they are anymore. You want them to look good. And we all have hangups about our bodies. And it's something that, that is a big part of working in costumes is getting, making the actors comfortable. And getting them to overlook their own bodies and, or like their own insecurities, making them feel good about themselves because when they feel good about themselves, they can, they can act, they can, you know, they can not worry about that. They don't, that's one less thing for them to have to worry about when they're on camera. So what shows are you working on now? I'm working on, um, it's a Disney plus TV show called the mysterious Benedict society. 
it's hard to pinpoint. It's not really like a kid's show. It's more like a, it's like a family show. It's for everybody. Um, but it's kind of, we're kind of creating our own world um, for this, for um, everybody with like a 60s, 70s slant, but heightened reality, bright colors, all that good stuff. It's, we're on, we're on season two. Um, season one's already out, so you can, you can look that up and see what that, what that looks like. But essentially it's um, these kids who solve or have to like go on secret missions to solve these um, big mysteries. From my job point of view, it's fabulous because again, I, I generally, I gravitate towards shows that have a heightened reality are, are a little, are not super realistic. You kind of get to be over overly creative and you don't have to worry about hyper-realism that much. <laughs> but also you get to make a lot of things and it's, yeah, it's a really fun project. And for, yeah. And so this is another example of, of how I don't exactly always do the exact same um, position. Because on this one, essentially uh, their assistant designer, um, she had to, um, to leave to go. Uh, she was on another show and they needed, and then they had to do reshoots. So she was had to be gone for two weeks for reshoots. So I came in as an assistant designer for the, for, for the past two weeks. And now that she's back, I'm just going to start, um, I start working in background land. So pulling things for background um, actors for the care for those crowds. So collecting costumes, getting that together, and then doing fittings with the background actors. Well, another fun thing, which I haven't actually done this this before, so it's it's a fun new um, a, a new thing to 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 try out. Yeah, I did this, and then I was working a couple weeks. I did like two weeks on uh, Perry Mason, which is very hyper realistic 1930s film noir um, a detective agent. I was there helping out just as a day player like coming in for a couple weeks to help out when they were really busy. I kind of, I've, this past year has been last year. I was, I was working on shows that I, I worked the entire way through six months on a show. Whereas this year I'm kind of taking it a bit more easy, I'm trying to like have some more me time than, than work time. So trying to balance like, Oh, working on projects for small amounts of time. That's good. Um, Okay, so this is the last question. Is there anyone that you admire that you would like to work with? You know, it's I've done just so many superhero things and then a lot of period, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, the show that I'm working on now is kind of one of my dream projects. Love it so much. It's the same producers that did Pushing Daisies, which I was one of those um, TV shows back in the day that I was obsessed with. Um, but yeah, I would not say, honestly, like if I could do a fun fantasy Tim Burton-esque project with Colleen Atwood, that'd be amazing. Because I mean, I mean, ultimately, like Sleepy Hollow is just gorgeous. And those those gowns are just beautiful. And just the way that she that she's able to like create or thinks about creating and layering prints and textures and just creating these just gorgeous garments. Uh I would love to work with her. <laughs> well, just put it out there. Uh, thank you, Hannah, for taking the time to answer these questions. Thank you. That was Hannah Green, and you can find her links on the episode notes. My name is Carlos, and you can find me at 
My name is Carlos.com. Thank you for listening. Now, let's get back to work. Nose gear touchdown. Welcome home.